0: My guest on this week's episode of Season Search is Dan Mondello, co-founder and CEO of Rank Really High. Dan is a serial entrepreneur. He co-founded two companies, Dealer Teamwork, and Home and Local Services prior to launching his newest project. You've probably heard the cliche that there's riches and niches. Dan has spent his career deeply understanding the unique needs of specific verticals. He started out working in automotive, then started a business aimed at home service professionals, and now Dan is working with cannabis dispensaries. A few years ago, Dan noticed that cannabis and marijuana-related products were being legalized in numerous states. He secured the domain name, rankreallyhigh.com, but it was just an idea for a few years until Dan took the leap and started the agency. Today... Rank Really High offers e commerce web development and a suite of digital marketing services tailored to the unique needs of cannabis dispensaries. How has Dan been able to shift from automotive to home services to cannabis? How does his agency approach the myriad compliance requirements for advertising cannabis products? How much do his clients know and understand about SEO and PPC? I'm going to ask Dan these questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Dan Mondello. We'll talk about why he's chosen to make websites on WordPress, we'll spend some time talking about the cannabis industry and conference scene, and I'll finish our conversation discussing whether he's benefited from first mover principles. All right, Dan, welcome to Southern Search. How you doing? Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm doing great, how you doing? I'm doing great, I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, I have a lot of questions to ask you, but I, I wanna start here. So take me back to, I think this is the winter of 2021. I may have my timeline wrong, but at this point, you've been a serial entrepreneur. Uh, you have had two really successful ventures that, that uh, I, I think by any by any standard have gone great. So you decide, I want to make a change, and I want to make a change into cannabis. Mm-hmm. Why cannabis? What did you see at that time uh, that made this move so appealing?
1: Yeah, so uh, thank you for the question. Um, you know, I wish it was a really beautiful, fun fun story but unfortunately it starts a little bit of heartache uh I was living in Minneapolis working on those former two startups you mentioned earlier and my mother got terminal cancer and was in hospice care and I needed to leave Minneapolis to tend to her. I was one of her caregivers and uh you know everything changes when a parent is in that kind of condition you you, you reprioritize everything in life and things that felt important to me before Started to feel a little bit less important to me after that, yeah. and um, I always wanted to do cannabis. Um, you know, I remember back in 2018, living in Minneapolis and watching all my friends back home in Boston uh, posting selfies outside of uh, dispensaries, lines around the door around the building, and I just thought to myself, "That's so cool." And then I went and looked at their websites, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's a shame." <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was a passive onlooker from 2018 to uh, about the very end of 2020 when I started to really start thinking, you know, there's something here. This
0: is an area I can attack. Well, well, interesting. Um, Yeah, I I think one of the things, this is a marketing show. There's a phrase in marketing, there are riches and niches. And you've made a career out of focusing on niches. So first car dealers, home services, now cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to explore that choice with you. They're really narrowly focused in one industry rather than, you know, you don't want to be an e-commerce provider for everybody. You want to be an e-commerce provider for cannabis now. Um, it, it seems like that intense focus has been important to your success. How, how so? Am I, am I overstating that maybe? You're not. You know, focus is really the key word there as well. Uh,
1: if you couldn't tell by my jittery demeanor, I have a pretty severe ADHD. And uh, what's really interesting about ADHD is that as a child, it was a pain in the neck. You know, I couldn't get anything done. As an adult, it's been more of a blessing and an entrepreneurial like like growth hack for me. Um, it allows me to hyper focus on things, especially things that really get me up in the morning. And, you know, I am a cannabis user, medical card holder. Uh, you know, being a person who's had ad- um, ADHD in my life, my whole life, um, you know, the back in the 90s, there was a lot of medications were kicked around and tried and a lot of kids got over prescribed things, myself included. And when I was, uh, in my late twenties, early thirties, I decided I, I no longer wanted to be one of those jittery Adderall type of people, you know, legal Adderall prescribed Adderall. And I wanted something different. And, uh, I had done some reading and some research and, um, you know, cannabis kept coming up as a, as an alternative to all these, um, stimulants. I tried it as a, in a medical capacity this time, you know, not like high school running into the woods after school. And it was a game changer for me. It allowed me to have a level of focus, a level of, of calmness that I had not experienced before. And, uh, you know, it, it has that real sentiment for me right now. My, my mother also used it to deal with pain while she was on, uh, in her, inner couple last couple of days, my brother was in the cannabis industry briefly. Um, in the um, cultivation side of things, it just, it just spoke to me and, you know, when I was in, in the car business, I used to tell people when they were having panic attacks at work, I'd say, hey, you know, relax. It's okay. We're not saving lives here. The problem will be there tomorrow. Why don't you take take a run around the building and come back and see if you can not get a fresh set of eyes on it. And cannabis, you know, I, I don't feel like we're saving lives here either, but I like to think that we're improving them, giving them alternatives to Pfizer and all those big evil companies out there. No offense to Pfizer or anything, but you know, giving people an alternative that's safe and
0: plant-based, I
1: think is really important.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, one of the things that I, I thought about is it takes, it takes a long time to get credibility in any one of these verticals. So again, automotive, I'm still trying to learn some of the jargon. It's like, it's, it's I, I'm, I don't know all of it by now, but I think we, there are these people who are covered celebrities in automotive or home services, for instance, we know these people, but then they stay in automotive forever, right? They don't go out. So you established that kind of credibility and you just moved on to something else multiple times. When you did that, was there any trepidation about leaving that comfort zone say in automotive and starting over in something totally different? Uh You know, I'll get into, into too many details. Uh, some
1: of these moves weren't a hundred percent my decision. Um, they mm-hmm. were ones I've, I live with and I'm happy that they happen everything happens for a reason in life but you know one it's a great question I guess this really comes down to the entrepreneurial spark I don't like doing one thing for a really long period of time that doesn't interest me I, I will always have a soft spot for automotive I still cherish and, and appreciate all the people in automotive I talk to them daily Brian Pash, Kevin Fry Greg you know, I, I've got a, David Matter. I got a lot of great friends in the industry, and I try to talk to them very frequently. And they've been so good to me. But you know what? If you want to, I think it was Elon Musk who who, who was asked one time. You know, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who needs help or words of encouragement? And Elon Musk said, I'm going to paraphrase this: um, Tell entrepreneurs that they need words of encouragement, don't become an entrepreneur. And it, it really is true. It's not a it's not a role for the faint of heart. It is a a constant battle from the moment you get up to the moment you, you fall asleep and then it starts over again. You know, my, I was raised to not, to not fear these types of things and to try everything and anything you can to make it happen is another famous adage. I'll, I'm going to use here as well. The story of Colonel Sanders and I'll shorthand this as well. You know, Colonel Sanders created the recipe for KFC original recipe. When he was like 50 or 60 years old. And he spent the next 10 years or 15 years knocking on doors of this recipe, trying to sell it. And he kept getting doors slammed in his face, being told no. And he realized, you know, after hundreds and hundreds of no's and years of hearing no, no doesn't mean no. No means not yet or not now. So he just Mm -hmm. kept knocking on those doors and eventually got his deal. And I think he was around 70 years old when he became a millionaire, but he didn't give up. And you really can't in this game. No matter what industry it is, you have, you cannot. It's the guys who give up who do. You don't read about. It's the guys and girls who never give up. The ones that are on on posters and have movies made about them.
0: <laughs> so love that, love that, yeah. That's clips. So I want to shift gears if we could talk about the companies that you that are your clients. Yeah, and you know the yeah. first thing that comes to mind is that for marijuana-based businesses, regulation. Legalese, headaches. Uh, do you get dragged into inane compliance meetings over and over again? What What are the primary considerations here? Am I overblowing that?
1: Well, you know, to use some technical terminology, it's an absolute shit show in this industry right now. Uh, I hope that you can bleep that out for me later. But um, no, it is an industry of challenges. It is an industry of immense regulation. It's constantly changing. What I tell people who ask me, you know, what's it like being in, in cannabis? I tell them, I'm a startup working with startups in a startup industry. I mean, all bets are are off. (laughs) And uh, I'll tell you the one thing I learned very quickly. I I went into cannabis with, you know, some some acclaim. I had a couple of companies I'd done. I'd been a two-time Google Premier Partner, Microsoft accredited business. I mean, I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I had a great book of strategies that would just translate perfectly. I'll tell you, uh, you and your audience here. If you wanna get into cannabis, take everything you thought you knew, throw it out the window because none of it, none of it's gonna translate easily. Um, I never even knew what an account suspension looked like in in cannabis until I got into, I, I never knew what a Google suspension looked like until I entered cannabis. And I've been doing this for better half of uh, 10 or 11 years now. But um, yeah, regulation, we were really, I don't wanna pat ourselves on the back too much, but we were really smart in how we approached our, our technology play and our stack. Um, We found out about these two companies called um, iHeartJane and Dutchie, which are the two biggest e-commerce companies in the cannabis space right now. And about, you know, a few months into this project, doing some research, we learned that they both had APIs, very powerful APIs that would allow us to take these cannabis menus from being in an iframe, which has very little SEO value and is hard to customize and has a litany of other shortcomings and truly cater and build an inventory feed very much like a car dealership. So we kind of tried to build our company to to just pull an inventory from these two sources um, uh, easily, customize it. And, And I know you would ask me about regulation. I am coming back to that. One of the really great things about working with these companies is that Dutchie and Jane had already put a considerable amount of resources and people and manpower into learning all the different markets and all the regulatory body. So... I actually get to piggyback on their learnings and their technology. They already, they kind of do most of the compliance for us. What we basically do is take what they have and publish it in a way that Google can see to a website. Um, A lot of this is very similar to what the automotive industry saw from a little company called dealer inspired Joe Chura, uh, those guys. I remember being in uh, automotive back in like 2013 and using dealer.com. And I'm still, still a huge dealer.com fan. I think that they still have some pretty kick ass stuff to this day. But when I saw Joe and his team come out with a WordPress-based modular inventory-controlled website. I said, "This is the future," because you know, in the industry, in the car industry, if you left a dealership to go work for another dealership, nine out of ten times you were learning how to use DealerOn or a different CMS altogether. Everybody in marketing knows WordPress. Everybody knows how to write a blog. So, hiring developers, finding this is all uh, growth hack shortcuts in using a WordPress-based solution.
0: So, yeah, and I, I just yeah. in full transparency, we we don't make websites for car dealers, but we work with a lot of car dealer clients. And Dealer Inspire is we have no dog in that fight, but Dealer Inspire is our preferred vendor for the reason you mentioned uh, that their WordPress is so powerful. So I, I want to take this down into the actual service offerings if I could. Sure. Um, so my understanding was that advertising on Google for marijuana, even recreational marijuana products, was some violation of their policies or something like that. What, what solutions are available to dispensaries and those related businesses within the ad space, like within Google, within Microsoft, within, what are you allowed to do? What aren't you allowed to do today? If you, um, if you Google, Google
1: ads, uh, cannabis, you're going to come to a page called dangerous, um, services or products. And uh, right. cannabis is, is uh, right there next to uh, heroin, opioids, crystal meth, machine guns. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of in the wrong categorization to begin with. I'm not going to sit here on my, um, on my stoop here and, and start saying, oh, my God, why does Pfizer get to advertise? Why does anheuser Bush get to advertise? But we're going to draw the line, the non-habit-forming medicinal property plant. I mean, I'm not going to do that. I should, but I'm not going to today. Um, yeah, no, you're not, you're, there are, there are very clear guidelines on what you can and cannot do. And, you know, again, two time premier partner, I thought we'd just step into this thing and just kick so much ass would be crazy. It wasn't like, it's hard. Um, yeah. and you really do have to throw out your entire book of uh, strategies when you get into this business. Basically, your what <sighs> Google looks at two at, at uh, three things, keywords, ad copy landing page. And you can have some cannabis-related keywords, but you cannot use those keywords in your ad copy, and you cannot use any of that content on your landing page. So if you kind of read between the lines and really look closely at what the strategies are that that are left after you you realize what you can't do, you figure out there's a few things you can, and you focus on that. So one of the things we really looked at while giving away too much of our secret sauce is advertising a dispensary's loyalty program. I mean, when you're advertising a loyalty program or a membership program, I'm not advertising to buy marijuana. I'm advertising a membership program that allows you to do that eventually, but also save on products, accessories like, you know, glassware or, you know, books, rolling papers, that kind of thing. So you have to get really creative. And I can, you know, we can't take all the credit. We had a lot of great relationships we formed while, while I was at dealer teamwork, while I was at home and local services with people who worked at Google, and I was just very fortunate to have kept those relationships strong so that when we did start hitting walls, we had people whose door we could knock on and say, Hey, what are we doing wrong here? Or how can we think differently? And they were very helpful in guiding us. And, you know, we went from having accounts suspended left and right back in October of last year to, you know, knock wood, we haven't had a single problem since. And we have ads go down every day, but we're able to learn from those from those issues, what we see in the policy um, guidelines. and. Make adjustments, and I'm happy to say that we're running. uh, We're going to crack over uh, over two million dollars in paid search before the end of the year.
0: All right, very nice. That's awesome. So here's here's what's not hard for me to understand is how important local SEO would be for these dispensaries. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to you from Chicago. My office is in the West Loop of Chicago. I live in the suburbs. I don't know twelve. 15 miles away or something like that. And I will pass on my drive home without going out of my way, 12 different dispensaries, right? At least. Yep. Yep. So this is becoming an extremely competitive space in my city. Uh, new dispensaries are going up all the time. Um, Google is using its local algorithm to rank these sites. Right. My question is simple. How sophisticated are these businesses? Do they know how important local SEO is for them? Are they aware of its power? They're beginning to learn. Um, you know, there, there are definitely,
1: there is a whole science here of local SEO for cannabis dispensaries where if you really look at, you know, if a business really wants to kick ass on local SEO, especially if they're coming into a market that already has some level of saturation, the naming convention of what you name your business, the DBAs you file are going to be incredibly important because it, we're not in those old days of local SEO that Greg would strangle me if I said this out loud, I'm going to say it anyways. Um, Keyword stuffing, the business name. I mean, those days are beginning to be behind us because Google is changing algorithms. It's now the business profile, whatever. They've made it really hard to quote unquote game the system. So, you know, Mm -hmm. when you can't game the system, you need to really think about what the name of your business is going to be. Like if I was opening a dispensary, I'd call it Dan Mondello's marijuana dispensary, Boston, Massachusetts, and then if anyone tried to suspend my profile, I'd be like, "Yo, well, here's my DBA." You know, come at me. <laughs> but um, you know, a lot of time for for, a bit, for an established business, they they're running at somewhat of a deficit. The ones that are ranking really high in the map pack are the ones that've been there the longest, gathered the most reviews, done the most things right. Um, the way so you know, really high has been pretty fortunate that we were pretty early into this game. You know, not in California, but on the East Coast, we were in pretty early. And um, what we've learned is that um, when you can't do those old tricks, one of the things that's really important is having a website connected very closely to your Google My Business profile and other local listing profiles, so that when someone types in a, you know, not dispensary near me or or not Dan Mondello marijuana, they type in a product like Fernway vaporizer or or Goodfields drink tinctures, when you have a website that has um, content on it from those manufacturers that Google can read via a Dutchie or Jane API published, the local search results in the map app will sometimes say their website mentions vaporizer or their website mentions Fernway vapes. And when you have all that content, you you make your profile more relevant. So you're able to outmaneuver some of these Uh, established businesses that have been there for a while without doing anything hacky or, or, you know, outside of Google's, um, um, guidelines.
0: That makes sense. So interesting. (laughs) Yeah. It makes makes perfect sense. And, and it, yeah, it seems I'm I'm really interested in this, this transition from auto to, to cannabis with you. And one of the things that I could think of right away is that the cannabis industry is a movement in a way that car dealers just aren't as much. This is still illegal in many states. It is. It's got a little bit of a rebel quality to it. Um, it's got a silliness quality to attach to the industry. You can feel it when you're walking around conference yep. floors and stuff like that. Internally, for your own team, um, you're marketing to this community. Do you focus on matters that are important to the broader cannabis industry? And if so, how do you do that? Um,
1: could you give me an example of what you're of what you're asking? I'm just trying. I want to make sure I understood.
0: Properly. No, no. So I, I would say, when I'm at conferences, this this idea that cannabis is not legal in every all 50 states, this is important. Like this is important to your your customer, even if you're a dispensary owner in in Chicago where it's totally legal, it's like totally fine.
1: That mm-hmm.
0: it's illegal in Indiana, for example, is going to be a topic of conversation in the hallways of those conferences. Yep. And so there's there's a there's a totally different sort of zeitgeist at these conferences than there would be at a, at a car dealer conference, for example. When you guys think about that internally, you're you're trying to target these dispensaries. How do you tap into the to the issues that are important to that industry, um, or is that not not so much? You just want to keep your head down and focus on, on writing website code and doing that kind of thing. Um,
1: well, we definitely want to write a lot of code, but no, I mean when there's been a stigma, this has been a a, a plant and a product that has been demonized for hundreds 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 of years in this country or at least a hundred years in this country for, and if you look at the history of why it's been illegal the, the and you really dig in, it's stupid. It boils down to racism. It boils down to a threat against established medicine companies. The, uh, the rope industry definitely played its part in suppressing this product from being used yeah. in the masses. I mean, in the 1800s, this, this product and other more dangerous products like cocaine, which I'm not advocating for. I want to make sure I'm clear about that. Um, we're used in a medical context and, it wasn't until racism and Pfizer and companies like that got involved. I'm really bashing Pfizer today. I apologize about that. <laughs> it's when money got involved that, that that it became a problem. So, you know, part of the responsibility when you enter the cannabis industry is to try to end stigmas. Now, I'm not the kind of person who's going to be smoking a joint on your show or any other show. and. When I go to conferences, I try to stay away from that. you know I like I definitely smoke weed, I definitely use cannabis, but I try to do it in the privacy of my own home or with friends. I mean, I think there's a time and a place for that i, I do think that uh, I wouldn't drink a beer in the middle of a work day either. I mean, it's just a matter of yeah. you know keeping it keeping um up some appearances but at the same time, I want to help end the stigma. every company mm-hmm. in the cannabis space that really cares and most of them really do is trying to end stigma it's not a dangerous product it kills no one it helps many um it's it's done far less harm to the world than things like alcohol have done and uh i think that that needs to be recognized so while at the conferences you'll walk out i just got back from mj bizcon which is like the nata of the cannabis industry out in vegas the con at the uh, international convention center it's so weird like you walk outside of a nata conference and there's nobody out there's a few people running around on cell phones at a cannabis conference, you walk out there and there's everything from people wearing tie-dyed shirt smoking joints to guys in Armani suits of big gold watches smoking pot with the person in, in the uh, tie-dyed shirt. It's, mm-hmm. it's an incredible scene. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, there's a responsibility here and it's to help push the plant forward. And it's not because of the monetary gains. Yes, we're in this business to make money, but we're also in this business to help people. And it really comes back to the, we're not saving lives necessarily. But we'd like to improve them.
0: You know? I love that. All right. Well, that's very cool. The last thing, yeah, the last thing to ask you about is: Do you guys? This is this may be a misperception. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you guys are benefiting from like kind of a first mover principles, where you're the first uh, company company doing this sort of work really well. <laughs> okay, it's true that there are other companies that make websites for dispensaries. Sure. There are people. Uh, there, there are not as many who do exclusively for disp- dispensaries. That focus that we talked about earlier isn't there. Um, a lot, I, I actually looked it up before I got on here. A lot of these companies who, who do just websites aren't very good, if I'm being honest. So, um, you know, how do you categorize the competitive landscape right now? There are a lot of companies offering solutions to these dispensaries, or are you kind of the first in the door and you've benefited from those kind of first mover principles? I benefited directly from the automotive industry.
1: I mean, we're definitely an early mover and, um, you know, not, not to speak ill of my competitors. I really don't think I have a direct competitor and I'm not trying to be arrogant or, or, or a jerk or anything. I um, There are two types of companies in, in the space right now that we, I guess, compete with the agency that makes you this very beautiful homepage and then latches on an iframe and calls it a day and the company that just does the SEO menu, but doesn't design the website for you. We're neither of those things. And I tell people all the time, you know, if you want a nice looking website, go call Joe Harry down the street. Um, rank doesn't do that at all. What we do is we, we build a, a uh, omnichannel platform for cannabis very similar to a car dealership website. where you are able to suck information in, publish that information out on Google ads on on the website as as well. So we're a platform as a service play. That's kind of how we look at it. Um, And we do build really nice looking websites, but ultimately we're trying to pivot that as well. And competitors out there, we're willing to work with anybody. we built our platform on WordPress intentionally, not just so that we could make money off of WordPress based dispensary websites. We have a plugin only solution that we're happy to sell to anyone, whether it be an in-house talent who already works at a dispensary, and most of these sites are already all more impressed to begin with. We can latch right onto your existing infrastructure. If you have an agency you like, it's a very simple product to use, we can do that as well. So we, we try to like kind of play nice and not really engage or think we have competitors. That, that said, we definitely have people who don't like us and say some pretty nasty things about us. But you know, I'm one of those weird people who actually love haters. I, I actually said on LinkedIn like yesterday, I love haters. Like, I call them success fuel because that's what they really are. They just push us to make even more crazy cool stuff. Um, but back to like early mover stuff. Yeah. in cannabis ranked really high as a super early adopter, super early mover. But I want to pay homage back to where it belongs. It's from the automotive industry. We built a website. Mm-hmm. We're treating our, our partners who work with us on the inventory side like ADP. And Reynolds and Reynolds and other smaller DMS mm. companies. I, I love these companies. They're great companies. Ultimately, I want to work with a dispensary. And I'll take data from anybody. I, eventually, we're going to be a big middleware play where we're like, here's how you work with us. Plug in your stuff. And we'll work with POS companies as well. Um, but, yeah, it's automotive that taught me how to do this. Like, on, And I want to encourage other entrepreneurs in automotive to take a look at cannabis because there's so much room in this industry for outbound call center. For, for managed chat solutions. There's there's room for other companies doing paid search. There's there's just take anything that we saw just kick ass in automotive. There's a fit that there's a fit in cannabis and no one else is really doing it right now. And you know, we're looking for other companies to partner with that can bring some of these really smart things we did in automotive and connect them in, in cannabis.
0: That's really interesting. So there there's a tie in. Well I, I've really enjoyed the conversation, Dan. I, I like what you guys are doing. Um, I think you're very impressive. If people want to learn more about you or rank really high, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? What's your favorite social media, those sorts of things.
1: Yeah, you can easily find me on uh, LinkedIn. That's probably my favorite social way to talk to me. Uh, you know, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well. Feel free uh, rank, really We have very easy to use contact forms and you can schedule a meeting with me right from there as well. And, and, I'm one of those weird people who will talk to anybody about any topic at any time. So bring on.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, you have been a, a pleasure to talk to, um, for everybody watching, we'll be back next week with another episode of Southern search. We will not have a guest from Pfizer, Dan. Don't worry. They're, they're okay here. So, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, just, just another digital marker next week. So, uh, I'm going to sign off for now. I'll give everybody a virtual cheers and we'll be back next week with another episode of Southern search. Cheers, guys.